In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is The Camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisconsin getting ready to head on the road and face Illinois. Their first true road game doesn't come until the month of October, I guess. Obviously, they played down in Chicago, but that was pretty much a neutral site. They're a healthy share of Wisconsin fans. Uh, there, there might be a healthy share down in Illinois, and who knows how packed that stadium is going to be as Brett Bielma and the Illini face Paul Christ and the Badgers. Neither team having the season they want. Uh, one team probably not too unexpected with Illinois being at 2-4 and four and 1-2 and two in the conference, but the Badgers certainly expected more out of themselves to this point, being 1-3. And 0-2 in Big Ten play, both those losses to teams that are currently in the top 10, the conference losses at least. Um, obviously, Notre Dame not currently uh, in the top 10, but still in the top, what, 15? I haven't looked. doesn't really matter, I guess. The, lo- it's a lo- the loss is a loss, and the way it happened was ugly. But when you lose games this way and you lose this early in the season, a season can fall apart pretty quickly. And I think it's going to be uh, one of Paul Chris's uh, bigger jobs is to keep – everyone on track and, and try and get them through in a season. Now, Jesse, he talked Monday about how excited he was. I think that there were some people that gave him some, I don't know, credit for how positive he sound and how the normally reserved guy in the press in the press conferences was kind of not jacked up by any stretch, but excited to get the week going. And I wonder if that was a message to his locker room as well. Who knows? I know that there's some people that go into press conferences and, and do that, use that as kind of a, a message to the locker room as well. But, you know, you had a story coming out uh, today, Thursday, that it is an extremely, extremely difficult thing to do to keep a locker room together when you start where Wisconsin did this year and you sit where they are right now. We have heard the last two weeks from Colin Wilder about how difficult it is. And I'm wondering, in your opinion, is it something that's uh, going to be feasible? I think it is feasible. Um, There's a few different reasons and that I say that. I will say this week that the players were extremely optimistic and positive and more so than I expected. And I I suppose, I mean, what else? You could say, what else are they going to say when they're one and three? But there did seem to be a genuine hunger that this these guys believe they're better than what they've played and they're about to go into the Big Ten West, which is a division that they've had some success in, and they think they can turn it around. But you're right about how difficult it is. That's something that Colin said after the Notre Dame loss. And one thing that I thought was interesting when he was talking after the Michigan loss was that he said some of the same things as a leader on the team. He's got to make sure that the team basically doesn't fall apart. But he said that last year he saw that happen. He, he said, I think that was a piece of it was our team getting divided and you see what happened on the field where we were four and three and the leaders in the offseason met and agreed that they would not let that happen again. Now that's easier said than done, of course. But I did think that was kind of an interesting takeaway that he's coming out and acknowledging that the team was essentially divided last year and, and kind of fell apart. Um, so if you're a Badgers fan, I suppose it is encouraging that he do- he's, he says he has not seen that to this point. But another thing that I thought was interesting this week is Jim Leonard talking about well, I asked him, what What do you say to these guys? Because every week they're coming out, they're losing these games, and then they have to get back up off the mat and go do it again. And the first thing he said was, you've got to look at who's who's beaten us, that we played some pretty good teams. And you look in Penn State, Notre Dame, Michigan, 14-1 and one combined. 
right? Two of them are undefeated top 10 teams, as you said, Penn State and Michigan. Notre Dame is top 15 team. And so he acknowledged that the margin for error is very small, but that he believes they can turn things around. And he also said that his two best seasons in the NFL, uh, those teams started two and three. The 2008 Baltimore Ravens, the 2012 Denver Broncos, they wound up making the playoffs. The Ravens went to the AFC Championship game. So those are some of the really important messages that Leonard has tried to impart to his group that we're four games into the season and it's far from over. I know Badgers fans are very frustrated with what they've seen so far and probably don't care that some of these players are saying all the right things because you have to go and execute on the field. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that's extremely difficult if you're Wisconsin to do, and it's easier said than done as much as you uh, as you clearly illustrated. Uh, talking to Jack Sanborn on Monday, he was just like, who cares? Move on type of thing in terms of what happened against Michigan. No one cares how you're feeling. Illinois certainly doesn't care. Brett Bielema doesn't care. They're going to come and they're going to come for your head. So you have to forget about that happened, move on and get ready for the next opponents. What's it's what college football is about. But I mean, if this this happened last year already and now you're off to this start and, and you talk to some other guys that, you know, and I know you're going to be doing the story uh, as well for Friday and we're going to talk about the running backs just in general. But it sounded like, you know, in, in our conversations that there are a lot of dissatisfied people within that locker room right now. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely with the results, just from a team perspective, this is a group that thought they were going to be able to do some special things this season. They were picked to win the Big Ten West, and it's going to take some doing to, to make that happen. They're going to need some help, especially with Iowa. But, yeah, I, I definitely think that there are players who are, are frustrated and disappointed, and, and I guess I'll just get into the running back part of it. That's a story that I've got running Friday, you look at that group, that top four group, and and all of them have had reason to be frustrated at this point uh, in the season. And we know how big of a role those guys play. They haven't performed, especially the last two weeks. Look, look at, we, we all remember the Eastern Michigan game and Ches Malusi's coining the three-headed monster term. It looked like maybe they figured something out. Malusi, Berger, and Garendo go for 298 yards and three touchdowns, and even Braylon Allen gets a rushing touchdown. Last two games, they've averaged 2.8 yards per carry, uh, the running backs combined, and they haven't been able to find the holes. And to, to the point about everyone being frustrated, Malusi, every time we've talked to him, he just looks totally bummed out because he's not used to losing, and he acknowledged it. He In two seasons in Clemson, they went 24-3. and three. They made the college football playoff both years he was there. And Wisconsin's lost as many games in four games as he did in two years at Clemson. And he's talked about, this is new for me. And this is a feeling that's been eating at me. And I think he's still working through how to deal with that. But his roles also changed too. He only carried, what, six times against uh, Michigan? I mean, that for your featured back to carry six times, that's frustrating. And the guy who I'll say when I, when I talk to this week appears to be the, the most frustrated is Jalen Berger, which I understand because last year he, he closed the year. He's the number one guy. His role this year has been all over the place. We know he didn't play the season opener. Then he gets 15 carries against Eastern Michigan. Then he only carries once against Notre Dame. And he talked about how frustrated he is because he went into the season thinking he was going to be the top guy, and then he loses his spot. And I asked him what he needed to do to earn it back. And the, the main thing he said was not show his frustration outwardly. He said, I kind of showed in my facial expressions on the sideline, and that's something I have to work on. So, I mean, those are supposed to be your two top guys, and they, they've – They've, I think, been struggling this season. Garendo's role's been all over the place. He carried twice against Michigan. 
And the only one who seems to be on the ascent right now is Braylon Allen, who himself has had to work through not really playing early this season. So I think that's a group that's really struggling right now in a lot of different ways, and they need something good to happen this week against Illinois. Yeah, and I guess we'll see. I, the thing about Braylon Allen is it's it's easier for him, I think, to deal with it because I don't think he was expecting a ton of uh, opportunities this year, whereas the, yes. other, whereas the other three were kind of like, you know, we're going to be sharing carries here, especially Malusi and Berger. And it just, you know, when they when they can't run the ball and they haven't been able to run the ball, it leads to frustration within them. And But I, it's obviously frustration within the offensive line, too, and not being able to get it done. I, I don't know how you address that other than just going out and playing and getting them carries and being successful. Like it's on the, the team as a whole to put them places to be successful, right? They have to all be together. They have to all work together to make it happen. Uh, being upset, being dissatisfied with what's going on. You're the ones that control that you're the one you, the players are the ones that control that not necessarily the running backs. They're getting hit you know, where it is. And I understand the frustration behind it, but you have, I mean, the the players are the ones that have to go out and change this, right? Yeah. It's the same as what we were talking about with the team that nobody really cares. Nobody else cares about what's happening to you. You've got to be the one to pick yourself up and go do it on the field. And there's a, there's a few numbers in this story that I I thought illustrate what some of the issues have been. I mean, yeah, the offensive line (laughs) hasn't been great to this point, which we've discussed several times. But it's not like the running backs are, at least from what I've seen, making people miss. They, they're they they're not explosive in, in the run game right now. Malusi had a 60-yard run early against Eastern Michigan. Garendo had that 82-yard touchdown run. Other than that, they don't have a single 20-plus-yard run this season. Two in four games. That's 123rd in the FBS. And then the other thing that's interesting is what they do after contact, like yards per rush per contact, uh, or, or every time they, they get touched, they're averaging 2.4 yards after contact per rush. That's 117th in the FBS. Um, they're just, I know the offensive line contributes to that, but their numbers are actually better before they are touched on the rush, which I think indicates that the O-line's managing to do something to generate a push and, and get these guys. But the overall point to me is just like, Yes, as Paul Chris says every week, it takes all 11. We know that. But I don't think the running backs are... They don't seem to be making something out of nothing, which is what the great running backs are able to do. And maybe that's asking a lot because they're not... The the, the offensive line isn't playing up to its standards. But that's part of what has made Wisconsin's run game special over the years is the ability to have some of those explosive plays. But it is a chicken and an egg scenario because the running backs can't... (laughs) Things don't open up for the running backs unless Graham Mertz opens it up in the pass game. But he also can't open it up if teams are loading the box all the time to stop the run. So something's got to give. They have to figure something out. Yeah, I agree. And again, Illinois, you would think, comes uh, along at a at a really good time. Uh, good time. But you know Brett Bielma's going to have them laced up. You know Brett Bielma's going to have them ready to go considering... Uh, you know, obviously, I don't think he has holds any ill will to Wisconsin. It's not like Wisconsin did anything to him, but you know they're going to want to win this game for him uh, going against his former team. So, obviously, Wisconsin's favored, uh, I believe, about 16 points less than the last time that they were there. I don't remember exactly. what, Or was it was it in the 30s? I don't exactly remember. They were 30-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, so about 20 points less than they were the last time 
they went down to Illinois. You, you look at some of the statistics, it's it, it's hilarious. It's not, it probably isn't funny to Wisconsin fans, but <laughs> uh, Wisconsin's defense ranks below Illinois' defense and scoring defense. Uh, Wisconsin's given up 25 and a half points per game. Uh, Illinois is getting up 24.7. That's uh, that, talking about in the Big Ten. In total defense, Wisconsin ranks number one in the Big Ten, and Illinois is 12. So um, I, I think Wisconsin's offense, I'm not saying they're going to get going to get healthy, but I think they have an opportunity to get healthy. Well, they better, because uh, if they lose this game, God help everybody who has to cover them and has to watch them. <laughs> Being one and four and losing to Brett Beal as Illinois team. I, the thing is, I think you and I would expect that Graham Mertz is going to play in this game because they don't make him available on Monday if it's as severe as we thought it could have been Saturday when he left the game and went to the hospital. And we saw the last two full drives that he played. It just seemed like he got something going, which we discussed after the game. And if that can carry over, then yeah, they they can potentially figure some things out. A lot of this is on Graham's shoulders. And this is the, this is, you just got to do it. You got to go out and do it. I'm interested to see how Illinois' defense chooses to attack Wisconsin, because I think that's another interesting thing about every team does it a little bit differently, which is something Paul said this week as well. I I thought this was an interesting stat. So I said before, Notre Dame loaded the box, eight-plus guys in the box on 25 snaps against Wisconsin, and that was as many snaps as Notre Dame would put eight-plus in the box in its first three games combined. So their, their philosophy was clearly sell out to stop the run. They can't beat us through the air. Michigan only put eight plus defenders in the box on five of 55 snaps. They actually played nickel 64% of the time, 35 out of the 55 snaps. Um, and I thought that was interesting because the one thing we hear every week and heard it after the Michigan game was it's tough to run when they've got eight, nine guys in the box. And Michigan actually didn't do that. So I don't know what Illinois, the game plan is going to be, but I imagine it's probably what we see most of the time is stop the run and make them win through the air. Yeah, and and obviously Wisconsin certainly would like to keep Graham Mertz upright. Illinois has 15 sacks through six games. It's two and a half sacks per game, which ranks right in the middle of the Big Ten. Um, actually tied with Wisconsin for uh, seventh in the Big Ten in terms of sacks per game. That's another stat. That's another stat that I always look at now, considering Wisconsin's offensive line and the struggles that they've had in keeping guys upright, and especially with his injury, you don't you don't know exactly how many. Um, hits he can take in that midsection and still be able to be and still be able to play at a, at a level that is going to be good enough. And that's where I'd like to go here with the show and, and, and play a little sold or not sold. And we'll start with this one, Jesse Graham Mertz will play like he did the last two drives against Michigan against Illinois. Um, I'm not sold uh, only because I know I said <laughs> in my last response that maybe they can get something going. Uh, I need to see more than two drives. I mean, I, you know, I would think that he can do it this game, but again, as I say every week, the more these performances stack up, the more I'm inclined to, to say something different. So I don't know exactly what he plays like. I think he'll be better, but to say he's just going to go down the field on most of these drives and they're going to put seven touchdowns on the board or something, uh, I don't, I, I'm not sold yet. Screw it. Yeah, he's going to he's going to put up a performance like he did against Illinois last year. That's that's what we'll go with. No, um, no, I'm kidding. Five touchdowns. Yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Over under two and a half touchdowns for Graham. Oh, I'm going over. I'm going over. I think I think they're going to score points. I do. 
um, assuming he's able to play the entire game. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I think the where that injury is, he's obviously not. He's clear. He's clearly healthy enough to play, but it feels like that is a pain management situation. Anybody that's gotten a shot to the ribs and uh, then went out and tried to breathe, much less play, it's very very painful. I'm sure. Uh, I mean, I obviously don't know exactly what kind of uh, medications that they would be willing to give him to uh, to get him through the game, but some shots on that that hurt. And so I don't, it's, if he makes it through the game, I think it's, I'll take the over on that. I'm going to go the under on that. Well, okay. You be you. He has two, maybe he has two touchdown passes. I think there's probably going to run the ball a lot. And again, I don't know how much they're going to throw or how going to be to trust him if he's not a hundred percent. Cause I, I think even if he plays, um, I think it's fair to say, he's, I wouldn't expect him to be a hundred percent based on what happened last week. Yeah. Illinois, one of the poorer defenses. Uh, in the Big Ten, they've given up the most touchdown passes in the Big Ten to this point. So, not that that again means anything against Wisconsin, but I do think that they're going to have some success, or at least uh, have an opportunity for success. Going back to kind of our conversation about the running backs, Wisconsin will have a 100-yard rusher against Illinois. <laughs> oh, I guess I'll take the over. I mean, if I'm going to say, <laughs> no, it's sold or not sold. Oh, <laughs> I'm sold. Um, if Malusi gets enough carries, uh, I'm going to say that it's Malusi. I just, I, I don't know what three Brown's trying a lot of different things. It seems like, uh, trying to get something going and no, like, I don't know if Malusi is going to get 20 plus carries this game. And I don't know if they think Braylon Allen because of what he showed, which I thought was, was pretty impressive because he moves the pile forward. You put him in a short yardage situation. He's going to get you the first down. I mean, that might take away carries from some of the other guys, too. Yeah, I was, that's what was going to be my question. How many carries do you think Braylon Allen gets this week? And does he, is, is he ahead of Garendo? Um, you know, like he was last week. I don't know if that was just situational or not, but how many carries does he get? But especially, I guess maybe it'll depend on what the offensive line is doing. If, if there are no block, if the, if the blocking is as poor as it was this past week, and it's not just the line. Um, the tight ends obviously are part of that as well. But if it's as poor as it was last week, Braylon Allen makes more sense than anybody else. Yeah. The, the first two runs that he got, it was third and one, second and one. He converted both of them into first downs. Wisconsin went to its 22 package. So two tight ends, two running backs. But after that, they were just putting him in there. One of them, it was a first, first and 10. He got nine yards on a run. So, you know, it's not like he's just pigeonholed as the the third and one second and one guy. And that to me was maybe almost more surprising because that means that you're trusting him over a Garendo or a burger. And I, I'm going to say he gets more than five carries. They clearly, they believe he's talented enough to get him more involved. They wouldn't put a running back. If I don't think there was a shot for him to contribute this year, and maybe it's worked out. Maybe they didn't expect it this soon. I mean, if Baloo's running for 100-plus every game, they might not need him as much. But I think what we saw against Michigan is an indicator that, that he's going to have a, a bigger role moving forward. I don't know exactly what that means, but he's just so talented, and we haven't seen enough of him, so I think they want to keep giving him chances. Yeah. Uh, sold or not sold, Paul Christ and Brett Bielma will embrace after the game. Not just a handshake. Define embrace. That's what I'm, I'm about to do it. Not not just a handshake, but like... A, like a half hug, like nah. a, like a hat, like shoulder to shoulder, 
uh, nah. tap, on, tap oh, on the, like mm. shoulder, shoulder to shoulder, tap on the back type of thing. Oh, man. You know, that was as far as I was willing to go. I mean, if you were going to say hug, I would have said no way. Uh, shoulder to shoulder tap. That's a tough one. I'm not sold. I think it'll be a handshake. I think the, the time for pleasantries is before the game. You know, when they're talking, I don't know if they will. <laughs> Hour before the game or something like that. Shooting the breeze. I think it's going to be a, a quick handshake, and that's that. My memory of their relationship, obviously, when they were here together, when Brett was the head coach and, and Paul was off square, it kind of felt like there was two sides of the building um, where you had the offensive side and then uh, that Paul ran and it was you know kind of the, the rest of the building that, that Brett had. Uh, but I, I seem to remember him saying when they were preparing for Illinois, uh, Alabama his first year that he talked to Brett about about Alabama because obviously Brett was down at Arkansas and and they talked about him. Am I am I just completely re- remembering that incorrectly? I, I feel like he I feel like he was asked about that in the press conference leading up to that Alabama game. Do you remember? I do not remember. I'm okay. getting old. That was six six plus years ago. But I I, I mean I, I there's any certainly any animosity there. Um, I mean it's been nine years since Brett left here, uh, but I don't think there's going to be a long embrace after the game. I, I just don't see it. Did you like covering Brett? I loved it. <laughs> what? Um, yeah. Why? I covered, I covered Brett. So I got here in 2011. I actually like 10 years ago to the day somehow uh, that I started covering Wisconsin. So I was here for two seasons. I mean, look, as a reporter, what I want is somebody who's going to give me great quotes. <laughs> who's going to be colorful. Who's going to add to the story. Um, and Brett does that as well as anybody. Um, I mean, it was, it almost felt like there was never a dull moment. Obviously the year I got here, they were incredibly talented. That that was the Russell Wilson Monte ball team. But in 2012, there was drama. He fired the O-line coach and he was willing to say things that were controversial. I mean, I remember the comment about urban Meyer and recruiting, and that was a controversial. And when Brett had basically was talking about how urban recruited and how the big 10 recruited before him. And, and um, I can't remember exactly how he phrased it, but that Ohio state had basically uh, took a player that Wisconsin had committed like Ohio state was continuing to recruit guys. Anyway, the point is that Brett would say what was on his mind and it was often really quotable. Um, so that's the stuff that I enjoyed. Like if, if you need something story and you ask a specific question, you were probably going to get a good answer. So Yeah. Probably uh, my favorite coach to cover at Wisconsin so far uh, for the for the quotes. And you've been able to speak with him since he's left too, right? Like he's still been that quote for you on on a, a number of stories. Yeah, Brett's been great. Um, well, I talked to him down in Indianapolis actually, and he was great then too at, at Big Ten Media Days. Uh, and he was talking about his relationship at, at with with Barry because Barry and maybe this is a good week to to talk about it Barry was actually uh very instrumental in Brett getting the Illinois job I talked to Barry about that in Indianapolis too that Brett called him when the Illinois job opened up and and asked Barry if he would basically put a good word in with Josh Whitman the AD and Brett said that he would and then not like 30 seconds later a couple minutes later Whitman called Barry and Barry gave a, a strong recommendation foundation for Brett. So, um, I mean, Brett still is willing to acknowledge that the way things went down is probably not, <laughs> I mean, he said, I, I hurt him and, and there were things that, that hurt me. And, um, 
so yeah, constantly quotable. And that's part of what, I mean, the relationship to Wisconsin is what's going to make this such a, such a fun time. So this is uh, a, a kind of a tough question. I would think, would they have been more or less successful over these last nine years with Brett, as opposed to Gary Anderson and Paul Christ? Wow. What a hypothetical. <sighs> that's really, really hard to answer because I, I, I feel like there's a lot of questions that shoot off from that, you know, mm-hmm. are we to assume that Brett would have been fully invested in that the whole time? Because I mean, by the end, it was clear that he needed something else. So is it like we're, we're getting quintessential vintage Brett for 16 consecutive years? Is that, should we just assume sure. that? Yes. <laughs> um, I don't think they would have been worse. I mean, I don't know. Like, would they have gone, would they have, you know, his first year, they lost one game. And I know that was Barry's players, but so could they have gone 13 and one, won the orange bowl? Well, that, I mean, probably. Yeah. So, so the 20, the, the 2006 season, very, very similar to, to 2017 in that yeah. their schedule, they played nobody. Yeah. Um, I, yes. I'm going to, I'll, I'm going to stick with that. The, the, the toughest game that they played ended up being, Michigan uh, on the road and I believe that was the conference opener and Michigan would go on to to go undefeated until they matched up with Ohio State and the Ohio State that was that was the game of the century uh, number one Ohio State versus number two Michigan both undefeated and uh, Ohio State ended up winning that game and I think then they went on to the national championship game and got blown out by Urban Myers Florida so um, but either way that was the that was the only Tough team they beat that. I'm pretty sure that's the year they broke Joe Pa's leg. Um, you know, it was it, the team. I mean, it wasn't it, it wasn't an, a dominating team offensively by any stretch, um, but they were really really good defensively, and um, so it, it kind of felt like twenty six, like the 2017 team. Yeah, I I don't have any reason to believe that Wisconsin would be worse. Like they haven't won a Big Ten championship since Brett left. Um, and I suppose it, it depends on what your what your definition of of is of what that success would look like. They've had a lot of ten plus win seasons. Would they have made the playoffs? No, nah, I don't think so. I, I mean, what is a head coach the difference between them getting in and not? Because there was only one year where they had the. No, I don't think they would have. But I don't think they would be worse. <laughs> well, would would TJ Watt be TJ Watt at this point? And would Joe Showert have been the guy he was? And Vince Beagle be the guy he was? And all the outside linebackers that they had come through here, would they have been the players that they were if Brett had stayed? Because well, you don't. That's a good point too. They don't play a three-four. Right, and so you don't get to see those guys. I'm like TJ Watt is as talented a player as as anything. But would he have ever gotten the opportunity to play defense? Um, the way that Wisconsin played him. And I'm not saying he couldn't have been successful in a four, three certainly could have been, but the, the way that they played the linebackers back then were, were different. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, as we know, that's probably the best thing that came out of the Gary Anderson era was Dave Aranda and the three, four. And, um, you know, now you've got Jim Leonard having a lot of success. I guess I'm looking at from a pure, purely from a wins and losses perspective and what the team would have accomplished. Would have been about the um, same. I feel like it would have. Okay. I don't know. Maybe that's not fair to Paul because he had a really great start and they're struggling now. Maybe there would have been struggles at different times under Brett. 
But yeah, I mean, Brett had a lot of success here, whether you, whether you loved him or you hate him or you wanted to call him Bert, <laughs> uh, it was a pretty damn good run. Yeah. And uh, he'll be back on the sideline on Saturday. Wisconsin travels to Champaign. Let's get into our picks for the weekend, Jesse. We've got uh, the Red River shootout, Oklahoma and Texas. Oklahoma favored by three. The over-under is 63 and a half. Yeah. There's a lot of points being scored out there in the Big 12, I feel like. <laughs> um, I'm going to... I guess I'm going to go Oklahoma on this, and I will take the over. Uh, have you seen some of the uh, the OU fans? I don't know if it was last week, the week before, booing Spencer Rattler off the field or trying to boo him off the field to get their uh, their next big guy up. Now, Spencer Rattler, if you'll remember, played in that All-American game with Graham Mertz. Some of the other guys yeah. that were in that game were, was was uh, the kid that from, from Maryland who went through five interceptions last week. Uh, <laughs> Ryan Holinsky, who's now, I believe, at Northwestern, and... Um, uh, Sam Howell down at North Carolina, all those guys were there. And some of those guys are on their second team. Some of those guys have uh, already flamed out. Obviously, Spencer is a talented quarterback. I don't know NFL-wise. I think Sam Howell is probably the best of them to this point, but even he's had his struggles uh, at North Carolina. I guess my point is it's not guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed, even if you're in that game and, and it's supposed to be that guy. Now, I think Wisconsin fans would take Spencer Rattler in a second and Sam Howell in a second, but I don't know if you're taking – uh, the, the kid in Maryland, uh, Tiger, uh, to his Tango brother, Vailoa. to his brother, <laughs> yeah. and uh, certainly don't think you're taking Ryan Holinsky uh, over Graham at this point. Uh, who Ryan's on this, uh, on his second team, so uh, I guess my point is just nothing's guaranteed. So uh, I'm going to take I'm going to take Oklahoma as well. I believe last year's game uh, went to overtime, and so I'm I'm, I'm expecting a close game. So I'm going to, but I'm I am going to take Oklahoma and take the over in that game. The next game we're looking at here, number 13, Arkansas, at number 17, Ole Miss, the two teams that went on the road last week to, to face Georgia and Alabama and were huge underdogs and, yeah, lost. So uh, Arkansas is, I should say, Mississippi is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is 66-and-a-half. Yeah, well, I know I got the Arkansas pick wrong last week. I think Georgia was three touchdown favorites and managed to win that one 37 to nothing. So yeah, yeah. I'd say I learned my lesson, but uh, five and a half. I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Arkansas to cover on that. And I will take the over. I'm going to take Arkansas as well, but I'm taking the under 66 and a half. I know that I, obviously Ole Miss offense is 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 quite good. And so is Arkansas. But I'm going I'm to take the under. Uh, number two, Georgia traveling to take on number 18, Auburn. Georgia obviously unbeaten. Auburn's low loss at Penn State in a whiteout night game. Georgia, 15 and a half point favorites. The over-under is 47. You know what? I think I learned my lesson last mm-hmm. week on Georgia. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the over. I mean, Auburn beat Georgia State 34 to 24 a couple weeks ago. Squeezed out a win against LSU. And that was a road game, won by five points. So uh, I think Georgia is on a different level and I'm going to take, I'm going to take Georgia and I'm going to take the over. Yeah. I am also going to take Georgia. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Yep. 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 15 and a <laughs> half. Uh, and I'm going to take the over as well. The biggest game of the week is in the big 10. It's down in Iowa city, a three o'clock kickoff between number four, Penn state, number three, Iowa, Iowa is favored by a, a point and a half. The over under is 41. 
I think a lot of people think that the national championship game is going to be Georgia and Alabama based on what we've seen through, what, the first five weeks of the season. But this Penn State and the Iowa game could go a long ways to determining who some of these other teams that could be in the uh, playoff are. And uh, this is going to be uh, this gonna be an interesting one. And I think, obviously, Wisconsin fans will be keeping a, a close eye on it just because is Penn State as good as uh, we think they are and is Iowa as good as everyone thinks they are? Well, this is obviously the biggest game in series history between these two programs. You've got two top four teams. And if you're a Wisconsin fan, you want Penn State to win because if you think Wisconsin's got a shot to win the West, Iowa's got to lose somewhere along the way. And then Wisconsin has to beat Iowa. I know we're not there yet, but <laughs> realistically, based on how well Iowa's played, I don't know how many games there are out there that, that you could say they'll lose. I, I'm picking Iowa. It's a home game. They've played great. They just destroyed Maryland. To your point, Tonga Vailoa came into that game with one pick through five in that game. He's now um, tied. He's now tied for the for the uh, the lead in, in college crazy. football, or he it's was, crazy. I should say, after that game. I don't uh, know what happened this past weekend, but he's got as many interceptions now as Graham does. I'm going to take the under. I don't know what number they could have. Maybe they could have gotten that into the 30s, and I would have taken the over. I just... Um, Points will be at a premium is, is my expectation, but I do think I was going to cover. Um, they just look like they're in the midst of something really special. And uh, yeah, you could say the same thing about Penn state. Um, but man, Hawkeyes have been rolling. Do you, so you, you, you threw that out there saying if, if there are Badger fans out there that think Wisconsin is going to compete, is there, are there Badger fans out there that, that think Wisconsin can compete for the, the, the big 10 West at this point? Probably. Probably you're probably look who they're playing. I mean, Wisconsin hasn't been very good. They've lost to three top 15 teams other than Iowa. The rest of the West stinks and Wisconsin is right there along with them. I was going to say, right? Yeah. yeah, sure. But purely, if you look purely from a talent perspective, if they can get something going offensively, like, I don't know. The, the one game on the schedule that you'd say, oh, they, they'll lose is Iowa. I mean, the, the, you could say the rest are all toss-ups, which doesn't speak very highly of how Wisconsin's played, but I don't think it's out of the realm of, of possibility is what I'm saying. All right. Well, I'll throw it out there, and just in case it comes uh, to fruition, you can be, come back and point at this and be like, there hey, you go. See, see, I told you. I'm going to take Iowa as well and the under. So I think we're on, or I think we're on the same page with that one. 41's low, but yeah. And we got the game of the week. If you're in Madison or Champaign, uh, Wisconsin at Illinois, Wisconsin favored by 10. The over-under is 42. 10 feels like a lot for a Wisconsin offense that struggles to score 10, but <laughs> I'm going to go Wisconsin and I'm going to take over. Uh, Did you say you're taking the over? I'm going to take the over. So I'm going Wisconsin in the over probably because the Badgers score some points. Even though I said I th I'll, I'll take the under on Graham, two and a half touchdowns the game uh, gets things going. And you know what? For the hell of it, let's throw in a defensive touchdown because that's all they've been talking about the whole season is they need more takeaways and they need to impact the game. So I think they get it done. Who's the only team in, uh, in the Big Ten that hasn't scored at least 100, 100 points yet? Um, is the answer... Well, Wisconsin. Yes. Every other team <laughs> in the conference has scored at least triple digits. Uh, including and Wisconsin's Illinois, also had a bye. So, including you know. Illinois. 
Uh, you throw in the yeah, sure, sure. If you want to, if you want to include, if you want to go to for points for game, guess who's in last? Um, is it Wisconsin? It is. It's Wisconsin. He was in thirteenth. I think I, I see the direction you might be going here. It's Illinois. They're averaging twenty point seven. I'm going to take. Oh, I'm going to take Wisconsin, but I'm taking the under, even though that, that okay. that's, that's a small number. I am going to take Wisconsin. I don't know why I'm taking Wisconsin, just because uh, it's Illinois, and you would think Wisconsin finds a way to to beat them. But certainly, Wisconsin players are are, are saying all the right things. But I, it, it feels like this could like say they go down, say the offense gives up, like turns the ball over early, and Illinois jumps out in front. I, I feel like it could uh, deteriorate very quickly. Uh, it is. It is possible. Uh, I guess we'll. Uh, hey, that's what the games are. That's what the games are played for. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying, uh, based on what you wrote about last year's team, and based on what we've seen to this point, um, I d- it just feels like there's not a ton of, I don't know, a ton of belief in in, in their ability to to right the ship. I don't know. I guess we'll. I guess we'll find out. Uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, two thirty in Champaign. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, there is Jesse Temple from The Athletic. Until next time, you've been listening to The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.